Good morning, my people. How's everyone doing today? It's been a good morning for me so far. Uh, it's actually afternoon, you know, but when you wake up at noon, 12 p.m., then, yeah. Uh, funny times. It's been pretty lazy lately, actually, past three days, with uh, Christmas coming up. Yeah, it's the 22nd of December 2018. Uh, Christmas is uh, right around the corner. It's Saturday. And I think it's, it's if any time, if you get to ever be lazy, you know, now's the time. Now is the time. So, so far, I've been thinking about what I wanted to talk about this episode. And something really odd happened to me this week, uh, last Monday. And... It it woke me up to a few things that I forgot uh, exist in this world, right? So a few episodes back, I talked about understanding want. And then I talked about comfortable avoidance. And, you know, the last episode particularly, I just wanted to clarify a bit what to expect from this show from now on. And that you shouldn't really expect anything and just enjoy the ride. And we'll see where this goes. But, you know, talking about all of these things, I always feel like I have a lot of things left unsaid, you know, and which is natural. They're very big topics and everyone applies to everyone differently. And, and you know, life is a bit more complicated than a 40 minutes or an hour of a podcast episode can, can go through. And especially if it's just my perspective, it's so important to get other perspectives. And hopefully we'll get a lot more into that after after New Year's Eve. You know, everyone's now like in a very different place. Uh, it's a mess for everyone. So it's hard to really um, schedule and have a good call with someone. You know, especially me, I'm going to like this evening, like in four hours, I'm going to go to my friend's place, which is an hour and a half north of the city. He lives really far from the city. And I'm going to stay at his place for Christmas until the 25th. So from today till the 25th. And, you know, his mom really loves me. <laughs> she's she's like my German mom. And she's going to, I'm sure she's going to like cook really nice food for me. She's a, she's a professional chef, actually, which is really cool. And, um, yeah, they've been really nice to me. I really appreciate having them in my life. And then on the 25th, I'm going to go to my aunt's place in Isolon, which is a six-hour bus ride away <laughs> that I'm going to have to to go for. And then we'll see. Like I'll, I'll have to record an episode at my aunt's house. So I haven't ever recorded an episode outside of my own room, so that's going to be a new experience I'm looking forward to. But yeah, generally, like I said, like these things, talking about these things is very intense, but Something I think I should talk about today because of the experience that I had is still pretty fresh from last Friday is that um, is the topic of insecurity, right? Because sure, we can understand what we want and sure, we can try to attend to the things in our lives that we need to attend to, to fix them, right? Because, you know, if you ignore a problem long enough, it's not just going to stay a problem. It's going to to grow and and manifests itself in a way that's going to really be worse of a problem for you later on down the line you know if you if you ignore like if you ignore telling someone something 
really important or if you ignore attending to your your anything you know i can't think of an example right now I just woke up but it's just that like i said in uncomfortable avoidance we tend to avoid what we don't know because it's uncharted territory it's scary we see it as something that can hurt us you know we start Uh, sorry, my laptop's a bit. Uh, yeah, so we see it. Uh, we see it as a predator, right? Something that we don't understand, and something that can shake the foundation that we live on. We see it through our predatory circuits, and we think that this is dangerous, and we deal with it as such, you know, by staying as far the fuck away as possible. But you know, there's there's parts of us, I think that are more sensitive than others because you're not just like i said one thing you're a collective of a million brains you know sub units or sub brains in your head that all want certain things and it just depends on which one is more like the priority of which is higher at a certain moment that you do this or that you know so like there's always going to be a part of me that's hungry because I'm always hungry, you know, but then at some point it's loud enough for me to actually act on it instead of doing something else. And then there's the part of me that's telling me to to drink tea or to to go play something or to watch a video or to anything besides what I what it is that I think that I should be doing. <clears throat> But that's besides the point, you know, like, it's just that there's, we grow up in this world, we grow up, you know, with our parents and we, our family or friends or school, you know, all of that. And at some point, you know, our ego hits in, you know, as as kids, we don't care, you know, I was walking down the street and I saw, I was in the supermarket, sorry, and I saw this kid just, you know, raise his hand in the air and just... uh like do this jingle like la 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 and he was just laughing and having fun and going at it you know i was thinking oh that's pretty dope you know it made me smile but then i thought you know if i started doing that i don't think anyone would smile i think they'd think i'm a bit crazy right <laughs> even though my intention isn't to to hurt anyone or bother anyone i'm just having fun i'm saying la 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 and i'm I'm going through the supermarket, but no, they'll think that, you know, this is uncomfortable, this is something we don't know or understand, it might be dangerous, you know, it might affect all of us, and then they'll shun it as such, and if you think about it that way, you realize that sanity doesn't come from within, you know, everyone perceives the world very differently, but what we voice out and what we act out in front of other people is what we think is socially acceptable between these people, so we can remain around them, right, so that we can function, we can eat, we can live, because we're dependent on our societies. So you realize that sanity isn't a matter of subjective experience, it's a matter of uh, the societal reaction, let's say, to your actions. So what's constantly happening when I'm interacting with someone, or in a group, or anything, it's that there's sanity feedback loops happening consistently it's like you're giving signs to people that you you think they're sane and that's why you let them around you and society takes this to an extreme really because as long as you follow the rules of of this that society laid out then you're good you know you can no one's going to hurt you but no one's really going to reward you either you know you're in your place within the hierarchy that you're in in society and you're good 
And as an example for that is if I just went ahead, you know, my roommate's downstairs in his room, if I just went ahead and just like killed him out of no reason, at some point someone's going to find out. And at some point someone's going to investigate how he died. And then at some point I'm going to be walking down the street thinking that I'm safe. But this system in the background did all of that. You know, they investigated, they saw proof, they identified my profile and then they'll come and they'll take me and they'll throw me and they'll take me out of society in a place that can contain this craziness this uh, this chaos right and you know it's funny if you think about it it's a system that functions like that you know you act in accordance to that system everything works right everything functions everything you know works <laughs> as well as anything works if you go against that, you're shunned. And there's systems in place that, that will react to different things. It's like, just, like a, just like you have your defense mechanism in your body, your immunity system, your white blood cells go and attack the viruses. But it could identify something that isn't actually harmful for you or to you as a virus. And it's the same thing with society. You have your police, which is a system in place to make sure that everything is safe. You have the fire department to make sure that everything doesn't burn. You have hospitals to make sure everyone is healthy. And they all work within a certain within certain regulations and they all work in accordance to each other indirectly and sometimes directly, you know, because if you look at it deeper of what this system is, it's just individual people doing their certain roles. And then you have roles that actually uh, they encompass or let's say what a manager does is that he or a supervisor he takes information that he needs from everyone he doesn't know the specifics to the detail but he takes what he needs to know from all the other different units and then he can use that information to make an informed decision towards something important so what I was trying to say by all of that is just that, you know, society has its own measures of what, what is sane and what is not and what is acceptable and what is not. And everyone has to see their place within that. And not just within the, you know, these institutions, police, firemen or hospitals. It's also with your friends and your family and all of that. You think that you have to act in a certain way around them. And this is why it might be really hard for you to really change yourself sometimes because you... Like I said, you know, the way you change your interactions with the world, the world reacts back. And depending on its reaction, this is how you see, like, if you should keep doing this or not, or how, how your progress with your change is happening. And sometimes, you know, with family, even if you change, they'll still treat you the same way, all the, or they'll treat you more of the same way to oppose the change they see in you to put you back in your place you know and that happened or happens often and i've seen it um and the thing is that we try to we try to make sense of our reality somehow by we try to justify or validate our reality by sharing that with other people right and and hearing what they have to say about what we think so and like people people will really tell you a lot if you listen you know if you're if you're at a bar and you see this guy that's just like at the bar drinking and you if you're the bartender and you just listen to him he'll tell you his entire life story and he really wants to do that he really like there's an innate need in him to really explain to someone else what the hell is going on with his life right and why is that it's just he's trying to validate his own ex like 
version or experience of the world you know it's like i exist i really do and like please believe me that i i i exist some things are happening to me and life is is, is weird and <laughs> we try to you know constantly within our society feedback loops you know of of how you tell someone something and then they'll react to it either positively or negatively and then depending on that you readjust your behavior and this is something you see with parents as well and their kids if you see your kids acting in accordance to in a way that that would make them that would make you like them then you're doing a good job but if you don't like your own children then something something's up you know <laughs> and and you're constantly telling your kid you you can do this but you can't do this or you shouldn't have done that maybe next time do that and then you punish them or you reward them or all of that trying to get them to act in a certain way right but generally growing up in that state you know you're with your parents and this is what i wanted to get to from the beginning is that there's a lot that we go through growing up that we really don't control and like the first years of our lives we we just absorb and absorb and absorb we absorb everything around us and we learn from our role models you know like if if your parents curse a lot then you'll probably curse a lot too if your parents if your dad acts in a certain way you'll or cracks a joke in a certain way you'll find yourself cracking the joke in a certain way you know you absorb all of that and you act it out you don't really understand it you don't verbalize it you act it out originally and you act it out because you see it in front of you and, you th- and it's easy for you to copy as a kid uh, what's around you and like i've i've done that with my with my cousins actually often role play kids role play a lot before they actually can verbalize what it is that they understand i remember i was with my cousins in in palestine and we we got i don't know do you know the clips that you put on clothes to keep them on a string my grandmother uh, had loads of them and what we did is that we took all of them and then we built semi stands in in the backyard and each one of us started with like uh let's say 30 clips and that was the the currency right every one of us had 30 and then every one of us had their own shop and every one of us was selling something and we would go around each stand and we try to negotiate and try to be like yeah dude I get this from you, I give you this much, and you get this from me, I give you this much, and how how is that as a trade? Of course, it didn't really work out too well, because we didn't have any products. <laughs> they were all imaginary products, and like each one of us wanted to get the most out of the other person, so no one really gave in, and actually gave more clips than, uh, than they took. So it didn't really function too well as a free market economy, let's put it that way. But... We were we were acting out something like we were all like eight nine, and we were acting out what we saw the adults do. We were acting out trade and markets and all of that. But if you took me and you asked me like, you know, when you're negotiating or do I even know what negotiating is? You know, like if you took me out and you tried to ask me, you know, what is it like these aspects are, that are going into you being in a market? What are they? I wouldn't know how to explain that. I wouldn't know how to explain that at all. Uh, I might tell you, okay, we all have a stand so we can sell our things. And, you know, maybe making a profit is a bit important. (laughs) I could tell you all of that. But 
it's like you're not you you act it out first before you really verbalize it and understand what the rules of the game are. Exactly, you play a game first, and then you you collectively, me and my cousins, we knew the rules of the game collectively, and we acted them out together. But individually, we really didn't know what the individual rules are. So you grow up and you you act out what you see. So if your parents are aggressive or if your mom was uh, manipulating, let's say, or controlling woman, then that she always treated your dad in a way that made him try and make her happy and he begged her a lot, then you'll see that too. You know, and adults forget that their their kids are watching, you know. And they still act in that same way. And then your kid absorbs it and it comes into their heads and they have to manifest it out somehow again, you know, and give it back into the world that they're in. And, you know, and this is this is like going back to the scenario that happened to me last Monday, which was really weird because I don't want to mention the specifics of the story, but it made me realize, you know, I'll mention it at some point. I just think it's too fresh to mention it now. It's just that this person really... You know, I, I really do want to share everyone everything with you guys, so I'll tell you the story. So, this there was this girl at my university that I really liked last year. And why I liked her, besides the fact that she's exactly my type, is that she was actually my type, not just with how she looked like, but like how she was, you know. She, she worked out a lot, she took ginger shots. You know, I don't know, I only know one friend of mine who takes ginger shots regularly, because I introduced him to them. And, and she took ginger shots and like at the end of her shower she showered with cold water and she was like I told her to start meditating she started meditating I was like yo this is a pretty cool chick you know and I liked her uh, now like now at this point I really don't that was last year but like I didn't see her for an entire year because I went to my semester abroad and then internship abroad and then now I'm back here in Germany but when I came back I really didn't want ha- I didn't want to have anything to do with her because um, what's it called last year like before I left uh, Madrid uh, I don't know why she just shut me out of her life ignored me completely didn't say bye didn't anything and we were pretty solid friends you know but I remember like last year I took her to this nice place with a few friends of mine and I I told her like by the way I really like you and I'm a very direct guy, like, I'm a very honest and genuine and direct guy. And because of that, I expect the people around me to be genuine and direct as well. But when I told her I liked her last year, she laughed. She started laughing, guys. Like, I, I you know, last year Khaled didn't really understand what was, what was going on. I, that was like a red flag, it's like a big no-no. If someone laughs when you tell them you like them, just run away, man. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't question it then. And then, like, this year when I came to uni and I thought about it, I was like, fuck, you know, this. Uh, she doesn't care about me at all. Uh, she was just basically using me so I can get... I, I actually brought her ginger shots to uni, like, once or twice. And uh, all of that. I remember also last year, like, when the second time we met, she told me a story about how, how her how she there was this guy who was engaged to a woman and that he loved her like this girl that that I liked he loved this girl so much that he broke off his engagement with his his girlfriend or fiance at that point just so that he could prove to her how much he loved her 
and she still didn't like him back or give him any anything, you know. And I don't blame her, you know. Attraction or what, who you like is up to you. And that guy is pretty stupid if he did that, you know. Um, but she told me that story, and like, she liked the fact that that happened. And I noticed that when she told me the story, but I didn't, you know, I was blinded by how much I liked her myself that I didn't question it, and that's uh, that that's an issue. So this year I came to uni and I really didn't talk to her at all. I didn't uh, interact with her. And because of that, she, she that's when she started like wanting my attention back, you know. And I would be in uni and I'd, I'd look to my left and I'd see her looking at me, for example. Or I, I would be outside on the balcony and then she'd come outside on the balcony and be... Like she was always in my proximity, even though like in the uni she didn't need to be. And more than more than once, she tried to talk to me, and you could see, like, uh, from her mannerisms, that she's really trying to to talk to me. And she'd come to me and be like, "Yo, you haven't been talking to me a lot," and uh, and like, I miss us talking and all of that and all of this nonsense. Anyway, so I remember being at at this Halloween party this year, thirty uh, first of October, and I passed by her. I was dressed as an emo, by the way. Like I got fake piercings, and I got one on my nose, one on my lip, and two on my ear. And like I straightened my hair, and my hair is pretty long. And then like a friend of mine helped me with all of that. Thank you so much. And then I painted my nails black, and I was like, I was full on emo, dude. And I just wore black. So I went, I went to the. What's it called? I went to the party, and and like my my idea was that I wanted to act super depressed the entire time, you know, because I'm an emo and I wanna I wanna act it out. <laughs> so so I was passing next to her, and like she was pretty hot that day. Like she, I don't know what she was dressed as, but she had like these uh, lenses, and like her eyes were intense, and like you know she's just a hot girl in general. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's 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 the issue, you know. Like you have your rational side to you telling you, "Get dude, run away." And then you have your animal side to you thinking, "Damn, she's pretty hot." You know, I want to get with that definitely. And I was passing next to her, and then she grabbed my arm, like like no one would grab me like that way, like ever. And she grabbed my arm and spin me around, and she's like, and then she tried to act cool. She's like, "Hey." And I'm like, yo, she's like, what's up, you know? I'm like, I was like super depressed, you know, acting super depressed. And I told her like, uh, you know, nothing because you know, nothing matters and everyone's going to die. <laughs> she looks at me really confused, man. You know, she didn't catch on to, to the fact that I'm like emo and depressed. So I look at her and I say, you look confused. And she says, yeah. I look at her and say, yeah, you should be. Because life is short and very confusing. And then I just walk away. <laughs> now, 15 minutes later, I sit down and I'm talking to a few friends of mine and she was close by. So I go up to her and I'm like, yo, you should introduce yourself to my friends. They're cool. And she talks to one of my friends and like the friend who helped me with my hair and everything, she, she I was talking to her, having a really nice conversation. And then... She tells me, like, dude, uh, this girl, she, she's like, I think she's so jealous of me that we're talking. She, uh, like, she just keeps on looking at you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, uh, because I'm, I'm still not interested anymore. 
But anyways, just like there's situations that I saw from her that really spoke that she's attracted to me. And it wasn't something that I just saw myself. It was something that my friends confirmed too. So this Monday, um, I I went into her drama basically. And uh, like she, she was acting a bit weird when I saw her. And she blamed it on having had a bad exam. <laughs> but like the way she, she acted was like... How can I say this? You know, I wouldn't act that way if, like, my dog died. Because she was, like, really, like, jittery and all of that. And in hindsight, now I see why she acted that way. Because afterwards, she left and I started texting her, being like, yo, what's going on? What's up? And she she said, you know, nothing. You know, if I stayed, uh, I would have I cried or something. And, you know, a part of me was like... Let's see where this where this goes. You know, I want to see how how this would end up being because I wanna like I'm the type of person that deliberately puts myself or puts themselves into situations or experiences just to see what I can learn from being in this situation, right? So I had zero emotions towards her, but I just wanted to play with her in her game to see where this would go. So when she said that, you know, like um, I would have cried uh, if if I stayed and talked to you. I said, Jan, if you did cry, I would have let you and I would have held you to to my chest. You know, I was being very poetic with my text. And then she's like, yeah, what did you want to talk about? And I was like, no, we have to talk in person. And she's like, yeah, but I'm busy. I have a birthday party I have to go to. And I tell her, you know, what does it take for me to be close to you? <laughs> All I've wanted the past year was to get close to you. Um... And then, like, actually, she sends me her address, and she's like, come over, let's talk. And then I'm like, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, let's see, you know, I played by her rules, I'm playing by her game and her drama. Let's see, let, let's see what happens. So I go to her place, and, like, I remember maybe if I went to a girl's place a year ago or two years ago, I would have been really, like, nervous and shy. What am I going to say? What am I going to anything? But I really didn't care what would happen if I went into that door. I just wanted to explore that unexplored territory. And I, I went I went to the to her place and I was like really excited, you know, I just rang rang the doorbell, ran up the stairs and I'm like, yo, hey. <laughs> uh, and then like when I went into her place, it was a completely different dynamic. The second I walked into her place, I was in her domain. I was in her drama, I was in her play, and I was playing by her rules. I was in her own game, man, yeah. I walked in and she was so relaxed and so calm and so different. And then her place was spotless. It was perfect. Everything was in order. And we talked a bit and then we sat down and she's like, she starts telling me about how amazing her life is and how it's been so fun this year for her and how she's, uh, her life is amazing. And then directly afterwards, she tells me about how much her life sucks and how her parents are tired and sick and her brother's in some trouble and that she's stressed out and all of that. And I was a bit confused, you know, like, how can you tell me your life is amazing and then your life sucks in like the same minute? And and then like we start talking some more and then I started talking about things I didn't even want to talk about. And that's when I realized I'm, I'm in her, I'm in her game. And, you know, this is why I'm bringing this up. It was a really weird situation to be in, and I'm glad I was in it, and I put myself in it to remember what can be out there. 
So then I explained to her, like, what happened last year. It's like, yo, dude, I liked you. I told you I liked you. You laughed. And then, like, uh, you ignored me before I left to Madrid. You never bothered saying bye. You never bothered checking up on me. You never bothered anything. And when I came back, you acted as if, like, we're best friends instantly. And I didn't really care for that. I didn't want anything to do with you. And then I saw, like, progressively how you kept on trying to get closer and closer. And that's why I'm here, you know, because the way you're acting says that, like, we we should talk. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, excuse me? And she says, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I never, I never tried to get close to you. I never, I never wanted to have anything to do with you. I never liked you. I never thought we could be in a relationship. I never... Uh, thought that we could be anything together, you know. And then she she first started that off with saying how if she liked someone, it would be such a romantic and special occasion, and how it it would be so pure and and close and all of that. It's as if like she'll only get into or she'll only sleep or get into a relationship with the guy like she really loves, which I wouldn't buy from her, you know. Some people sure. But then she continued telling me about how she thinks, like, Khaled, I've never in my life met someone so deep, intelligent, and smart like you. And you're just so fascinating with how you analyze everything and communicate it to everyone. And, and you do all of that. But I've I've only seen you as a friend, you know, throughout my life. And I look at her and I'm... You know, because for me, I'm the type of guy who takes... I take how people act as a much more reliable piece of information to deduce things from a lot more than what people say because what people say can be anything really how they act is solid and it's it's in this world you know so so i look at her and i instantly say bullshit i don't believe you i don't believe any word you're saying i don't i don't i've never thought we were friends first off but the way you've been acting towards me tells me something very different from the words you're saying right now. So for me, like, I was confused. And I, I made that very clear that I thought she's making, she's confusing me. So so then we talked a bit. And then she's, she made it, like, absolutely clear that she never had, never thought of me, never wanted to do anything with me, never anything. And then it made sense to me. Like, at that point, it didn't make sense. So, wait, I... <laughs> I, I, I'm like, okay, awesome, this, like, we talked it out, and then she had to leave to, uh, to go to the birthday party, so she asks me, are you taking the, the train, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm taking the bus, but the bus is right next to the train, and then she mentions how she was going to use a car renting service called Car2Go, and she said that four to five different time times, guys, she said, yeah, I was going to take car to go, but it, it's not, the application isn't working. And for me, I, I didn't reply to that. I didn't say anything to that because for me, I think people who use car renting services are like, you know, rich, posh, and it's just unnecessary waste of resources. It's, it's an unnecessary waste of money if you use these types of things, especially because she lived three, three minutes away from the train station and she literally write, had to ride three stations to get to where she needed to go. So it just, you know, didn't make sense to me. And I didn't bring that out, you know, I didn't bring it out and I, I didn't comment on it. So she repeated it four or five more times. And I didn't want to see her actually check her applications to see if she can use the service, you know. But she mentioned that. 
And then uh, then we left and I said goodbye and I went and I, I walked home. I didn't take the bus home just to think about what happened because it didn't make sense to me. Like you're acting in a way, but what you're telling me is a very different thing. And then like I talked to my roommate about it, like got another female perspective. And then I sat down and I just thought. And then I... I, it made sense to me. A lot of like things connected, you know, at, when I when I sat down because when she was like last year when we were f- technically friends, um, she told me the story about how when she was thirteen to seventeen she was anorexic, and that like she she was really anorexic and she didn't eat anything and like she's really in a bad place. And then like she solved that slowly. She went to therapy and all of that and fixed it somewhat she's a bit thin still but like she's a lot better so why i'm telling you this is because like it, it explains something very concrete is that whenever i got close to this girl she rejected me instantly whenever i got away from this girl she acted in a way that would entice me to return let's say or to to make me think that she might like me and to have me act on that by being in her drama and her play with how she reacted when she got out of the exam with how she acted when I first entered her apartment and how she acted when I when I explained everything to her and she told me that there was never anything that's going to happen between us and um it made sense because I realized she was never in love with me or she never liked me ever. But what she really liked or what she was really in love with was the fact that me or someone like me would go that far for her and would like her that much. So she's in love with the idea of the power that she gets from bringing you to a position that she chose just to tell you no and she'll diabolically work around that and manipulate just to make that situation happen now it's either you know i didn't take the rejection well enough and i decided to create this entire story in my head just to justify it but i realized no it's actually true and i criticized the thought a lot to see like how it might not be true and how she might actually how it might have all been in my head But it really wasn't all in my head because I saw those things. I saw how she looked at me. I saw how she was always there. I saw how my friends told me she looked at me. And I saw all of that. But then, like, when you're telling me something, you're telling me the exact opposite. So when I got home the next day and I thought it all out and understood it and discussed it with the two female friends of mine to see what they thought, and I sent her a voice note I sent this girl a voice note and I told her a voice message and I told her what I thought this all was (laughs) you know I thought I told her like yeah I think you never liked me but you were in love with the idea of me liking you and you'd act in a manipulating ways to get a person to the point where you can tell them no to be in that position of power so you can validate your entire being because clearly you don't love yourself you know enough and you have to validate that by showing people an image of yourself that you think is you rather and then you validate yourself based on that and you feel good about yourself based on that and 
and I said it like very clearly, very respectfully, very easily. And she reacted very, very aggressively, you know? She went ahead and like, she was like, you don't know anything about me. And like, don't, don't, uh, don't assume you know me. Analyze someone else. You have no fucking idea. I know myself. I know what I'm about. And because she reacted that way, that's how I understood that, okay, this is actually, this is actually true. Because you don't react to something like that unless it's true. You don't, like, if it wasn't true, she would have just ignored it and not given a fuck. But because it was, she, she had to attack it because it felt like it was something predatory that's going to, let's say, destroy the base of being that she's been working on for a very long time or working on top of. And this, it's a very thin layer that's easy to to fall down under. And like me bringing it up didn't help. So, but then I continued and I asked her, okay, then can you explain to me because you, you know yourself so well. Uh, why did you laugh when I told you I liked you? She's like, I don't know, that was a year ago. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, do you take car to go, the renting service, the car renting service, do you take it every day to and back from uni or is it just in the evenings when you're when you're bored? And she didn't answer that too. And I asked her, okay, do you react that way every time you finish an exam and you fail it? Or is it just, uh, was it just like a really bad exam? And she didn't answer any of those questions. She was just like uh, very aggressive answers, like uh, go care about something else, stop bothering me, all of that. And after I asked her about the, the how do you react after the, the exam thing, she just blocked me after that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Let her block me. It's zero emotional anything towards this girl. But I think a part of me was sending her those messages because a part of me thought that maybe I can help her heal um, by letting her somehow be aware that this is how she functions. But I realized that was a mistake. And you don't really heal people by doing that. And... Uh, you know, it's not my responsibility to heal her, but it, like, if anything, I did damage her a little bit more because I took her insecurity exactly what it is, and I threw through what I had at that insecurity from different sides, and that's definitely something that. You know, it's not easy for anyone to try to cope with or agree with. It's something you'll definitely try to avoid. It's something you'll definitely try to not look at. It's something that, you know, because I'm not the first guy she put in this situation, man. A guy divorced his, uh, you know, broke it off with his fiance for this chick. And she's done it to so many guys. And she's not playing with a very simple emotion. Love is not an easy emotion. And she's playing with that with a lot of people. But she's not doing that because she wants to to hurt them, per se, even though she really is a lot more than anything else can. But I see it as, you know, she's hurting herself, and this is just her way of reacting or interacting with all of this again, you know. But for me, it's just like I said, society keeps on giving you feedback loops or signals, making you sure you're, you're sane or you're acting in an appropriate and sane way. And if you don't act in that sane way, then society is going to punish you for it. If you act in a proper way, they might reward you. But what I realized is that she acts this way and she plays with these guys' emotions, but she never um, 
here's this. No, no, none of these guys is actually going to sit down and analyze the entire thing and display it to her and tell her, you know, I think this and this and this and this is the problem. And, uh, you know, maybe you could fix it. I think other guys would just still be in love and still trying to to show her that they're in love with her and hopefully maybe someday she'll reward them by giving them something that they want, which is her. And it's 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 not a good place to be because then you'll always be repeating that behavior without any type of uh, fallout or punishment for for doing that. So I thought it was my duty to bring it up, but at the same time, I don't think I helped her at all or helped anyone. And at the end of the day, when I think about the outcome, for me, the outcome is very important of what uh, what matters and what doesn't. And the outcome would be to minimize suffering in the world, you know, is, is the wanted outcome. And what I did, I don't think minimized <laughs> suffering at all. And uh, who knows, like, if she'll actually face this type of problem and try to be better. Uh, because of it but it's uh, relevant for me you know she blocked me she's out of my life uh, it was an important lesson because I realized like she's telling me about car to go for example I like they better pay me for this man really um, she kept on saying that and mentioning that because a part of her wants to show me or the world that she isn't the type of girl who takes public transportation no she's the type of girl who rents cars she wants to give off the image that she's actually that. And and so far in my in my time here in Germany and in my life in general, because of how genuine I am with the people I'm close to, and I tend to, you know, tell them what I think and I try to be as clear as I, I possibly can about why I think what I think. And then I communicate that this to this person, you know, I have very close friends to me in my life right now that I can share almost anything with, uh, not almost, literally anything with, and they'll, they'll listen and they'll understand and they won't judge me for it, and I love that. And because of that, because I push for truth and they accept it and I'm, I'm genuine and honest, I can expect them to be honest and genuine as well. I don't expect, I don't put it as a possibility in my head for the people around me to to try to manipulate me or try to make me believe something otherwise or try to lie to me or try to put me in a type of drama or situation. It's always, um, you know, I'm very honest and direct and clear and I expect that in return. And I've been luckily so far around this period of my life surrounded by people that have been re really genuine too. And I haven't, I wasn't exposed to, to something like that a type of malevolence, really, manipulation, is what uh, she, this girl, was trying to do. And how people can lie to your face and try to make you believe something just to, just for their own sake, right? Um, it was nice to see again. It was nice to remember that, oh, really, wow, there's, there's people out there in this world that are dealing with their own shit, and because of that, of the reflection of their relationship with themselves, they're toxic to the people around them. And it's up to you whether you allow that toxicity to exist in your life or not. And um, and for me, you know, I'm an advocate of keeping yourself close to people that will add something positive to you in your life. You know, because you're you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with, really. And if I'm going to spend my time with someone very toxic all the time, that that's going to be very negative and telling me 
always complaining, for example, or always trying to get their way in a certain way. And they're just absorbing a lot of energy from me just to feed their own insecurities. That's not good for you, you know, and you need to either reassess that entire relationship and try to, you know, it's hard to fix those types of relationship, but it is possible. But the best method is to really cut yourself off because this person is not good for you and they don't care about your well-being. They, You might think they care about your well-being, but they really don't, you know. And if you were in a tough spot, you'll, you'll see that. They'll probably not help you. Or if they were in a position to help you, they'll make you feel bad about them helping you. And that's not that's not healthy for you for your life. And that's why for me, like, I'm really happy that she's out of my life and that she was almost never in, you know. I just had a taste of what this toxicity is and how it can manifest itself in the world. And, you know, I'm I'm more experienced now because of it. You know, the next time I enter a girl's place, for example, and we have to have an important talk, I'll really know how to tra- traverse or, let's say, move through that that place those obstacles I'll know how to get past them a lot easier because I allowed myself to face them with a very with someone with very very high obstacles let's say um and it's not just about getting laid like really it's just about knowing how to have conversations that are very important sometimes to clarify things because relationships with you and other people is half half of what this world is you know if not most of it isolation is not right you know and you you base a lot of what you are and everything around you and you know i could end this episode here but i really don't want to because it's very important to understand why this girl acted the way she did and the big reason of why she acted the way she did was because of a lot of insecurities built into her and these insecurities you know, I'm not judging her as a person or maybe all of this I'm saying about her and or thinking about her or uh, implied or thought about her. It all might be wrong. I don't, I don't know. But the lesson still remains, you know. People do have insecurities. People do have very, 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 very large and big insecurities that, you know, they're so deep and down under that you don't see but they affect a lot of how you act and do. And they start, these insecurities start at a very young age, you know. We could assume, for example, because she comes from a somewhat rich family, that women usually pick up a lot of mannerisms from their mothers. And you can assume that, you know, her mom has some types of similarities as well, for example, with how she treated her dad, uh, her husband. And she was sitting there and watching that and seeing that. And then, like with the anorexia and everything else it's just it hits you know and like for for example no i don't want like like i said I, I, this these are this all might be wrong assumptions but i think they're very likely that's that's it but still i'm not trying to attack the girl i'm trying to clarify that we all have insecurities every single one of us you know some more than others some cope with them in different ways some go in a very toxic direction some make it a strength you know like kevin hart making his height a strength i'm sure in school he was made a lot like he was made fun of you know and and he always wished he was taller or like he felt judged for being shorter or his success with women wasn't that high because he was shorter than them you know all of that 
And, you know, I went through my own insecurities in school as well. Like, uh, my hair was a bit crazy back in school and everyone was really spiky and I never tried to comb it down. And, like, when I first entered, when I switched schools from Dubai to Jordan, I went into a very different society all at once. And I didn't know how to cope with the different groups of people that I needed to communicate with, and mostly in another language, Arabic. And I was, all, like, I was only speaking a lot... Like, anyways, like in a different different setting completely. And I, a part of me thought that, no, the rules didn't change, you know. I can still deal with everyone the same way. But no, the rules did change a lot. And I didn't cope fast enough. And, and because of that, I didn't have the easiest time in school. My hair, my nose, my, my, my neck... Um, it's always... Uh, there's always an insecurity, right? Uh, with the way, yeah, the way I moved my hands when I was talking, like I remember a lot of times in class, I would be asking a question, I'm like, like really heated and and emotional and driven about it, and I'd move my hands a lot, and everyone would disregard my question completely because they can't help but point out how I'm moving my hands weirdly, and they tell you that, and this is what I mean by society always sending you. <laughs> feedback loops and signals about how you're dealing and what they think is appropriate and what they think is appropriate and what isn't and yeah and then like I adjusted how I moved my hand because of that I adjusted how I do anything because of that and they always pointed out all of those things and uh, <laughs> you gotta give it to them you know they helped shape me I guess if you think about it and I'm really happy with who I am, you know, I'm really, I I really, like, worked on myself a lot to, to get to a stage where I can view life this way. Because when I was in fourth grade, for example, and I was about nine or ten, I didn't think that different environments have different rules you need to play by. And because I was thrown into that then, and I made that mistake then, I learned that, no, actually, every environment I'm in, I'm actually playing by very different rules, and I need to understand those rules as soon as possible before I can actually, you know, do this right. And it helped me adapt better to different situations, and then when I came here to Germany, I had to go through that again and understand, okay, these are very different people, man, Germans are very different, and I need to understand these rules quickly and adapt to them, and... Uh, that was also difficult when I first came to Germany and started uni here. The uni has its own dynamics, which are very different, but I learned that, and I I was able to learn that, learn that because I had to go through with it. And I went through, like, a lot of bullies. I went through a lot of people causing me, you know, like, just pissing me off constantly just to piss me off. And, and like, I wasn't the, the least... Uh, you know, at least, like, I didn't accept it, you know, I reacted back to it by opposing it and, and trying to to still enforce that, no, I still, I think, I see things this way and I'm going to stick to seeing them this way, but I'll adjust it a bit to where I see is appropriate to be better next time. But I'm not going to follow all of you completely, no, that's not happening. And... Um, I think that anger and rage towards how everything was, you know, I was a very angry child in school, really angry, man, I was really mad a lot, and I would shout a lot, and I would, uh, you know, especially as, as a kid trying to tell adults something, and like, they're, they're not listening, man, so you feel like you have to really scream, man, to get it across, but now I realize, you know, you remove any chance of you getting it across if you scream, 
uh, if you want to really communicate something to someone, you really have to to dig into that. Your voice has to be at the right level. Your emotions have to you have to be clear headed and and able to think on your feet. If you put if you go into that animalistic mode of just shouting, you stop making sense. And you know we still think like it'll get across because you're screaming it right. <laughs> you know it's uh, you're loud and you're putting so much more energy into making this available across the platform to reach the other person. But uh, yeah, nope, it doesn't work. <laughs> and I had to I had to calm that down, you know. But I'm glad I had it then. Because it's what allowed me to keep my way, my unique, <laughs> childish way of seeing things still alive, man. It's what defended me against them trying to make me like them and and conform to everything that they are. You know, which, you know, they're all very different people now. But back then, like, there were, you were placed in a hierarchy, whether you like it or not. Everyone had a sort of position but it's an unspoken position, right? You don't verbalize it really. You act it out because we act things out just like I acted out th these things with my the marketplace with my cousins. We act things out before we completely understand them and can say, okay, these are the cool kids. These are the kids that don't give a fuck. These are the kids that uh, are nerds. These are the... And then there's me, you know, like, hey, I don't know where I fit in all of this. I think I should be at the top, obviously, because I'm, I'm me. And then you act in a way to get to the top, but you're in a completely different hierarchy, man. You're not playing the same game, and you never were playing the same game, you know. Man. And you never were playing the same game, man, really, like, uh, uh, I was playing by very different rules, because I swear, I really, I was, I, I did see things differently. Like, I remember this professor, man, like, we, when you, when break ended, when the recess ended, we had to, we had to stand in line to go to class, right? We have to be, be in order somehow. But when the bell rang, me and my friend were racing, so we raced till the end of the, the... I really liked racing as a kid. You know, I was fast. I still am. I, I like running. I enjoy it. Anyhow, um, we raced to the end of the break, or the the recess area, player, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It was pretty big. And midway through, the, the professor sees us, and like he was the guidance counselor for the children. Like, what a job. You fuck you, didn't guidance counsel us to shit, you know? He just took us, both of us, and he was like, you two, you should have been in line, come with me. And then he took us to his office, and he put us in his office. And he told us, wait here till I come back. And then he left to do God knows what. For three hours. For three hours, he kept me, he kept me and my friend in his office. And I had class, man. You made me miss class. I had gym class afterwards. You made me gym, miss gym class. The most important thing, you have to keep healthy, you have to play. And I'm just sitting in your office. And then you came back and you told us, guys, you shouldn't have been racing, you know. 
uh, he laughed with us a bit, tried to make it uh, up as a joke, and as if it's very obvious that we shouldn't have been doing that, you know. Because obviously we're not children who want to, to play and have fun, you know. We're stuck-up adults that just sit on a desk all day. No, no, he just kept us there. And then, like, he's like, yeah, like, I, I trust you both. You guys look really cool. Like, you're not going to do this again. You know, I, I, I feel you. And then he just let us out after three hours. And that that was that, you know. And I, I thought of the entire situation. Like, it made me mad, man. It made me... I didn't accept it. And I was like, yo, this was my fault. No, it just pissed me the fuck off. It's like, how, how can you do that? How can you... Just, man, what what use did you get out of that? You didn't raise us. You didn't improve us. You, didn't, you only punished us for being kids. And that's it. We all, like, the world just didn't benefit anything out of what you just did. But see, like, this, this anger, it's just, <laughs> I think it's what kept me, kept me here. But then, like, and then, like, when I realized what, that this world is actually a place I have to really interact with to to change myself and how I interacted with the world and how I acted with certain situations, certain people, certain environments, different games, how I looked at all of them, I realized anger wasn't, uh, it was a very, let's say, toxic, yeah, self-destructive part of me that wasn't getting me what I wanted. And I wanted what I wanted. And I would act in in a way, in accordance to how I think I can get what I want in the most sustainable way. A way that I can keep on doing consistently and for a long time to keep getting things that I want more and more. Uh, rather than just, you know, what I, a good example would be to either just rob a bank or actually like see how you can make money yourself. You know, robbing a bank is not sustainable. You might make a lot of money for five minutes and then you're in jail. But what I want is something that can really last. An anger throughout my entire life, this was not something that I can I can keep in me if I wanted to progress. So I had to get rid of that. And it wasn't easy, you know, I had to always remind myself not to not to shout or to scream or to to calm myself down, to meditate, to to change my mentality on everything that's happening to me, to accept it instead of reacting towards it so aggressively. Accept it, understand it, look at it, and then see how you can act in the best possible way to get the best possible outcome because there's there we always know that we always know there's a best possible way to act towards something but we just don't act it out properly and then we don't get the best possible outcome because we didn't do the best possible thing we could have done and you can easily imagine that if you if you take like if you see someone that you like for example and you wanted to start up a conversation the best possible way for you to start a conversation with them would be to go up to them, confidently introduce yourself, say hi, shake their hands, and say something with a confident, very low tone, very comfortable tone. Tell them that you just thought they were interesting and you wanted to, wanted to get to know them. And if they're, they're okay with that, they'll quickly tell you they are, and then you'll get to know them. But the way you probably do it is you wait around and you look at that person for a very long time and then you don't talk to them at all even though you know that this is how you should act you don't act it out and then you don't act it out exactly and it's just about acting it out 
how you think you need to, but it takes courage to to act that way because you're not sure how the world is going to respond if you act in a different way, right? And you might not act it well enough and the reaction from the world might be negative. And that's not something that's something you generally try to avoid because it's scary territory and it takes a lot of energy, but it also takes a lot of energy to be in that stressed out situation, not being sure about how to act, you know? So if you eliminate all of that completely, the stressed out part of you that's thinking about how things should be done and then you just do them, uh, you'll you'll end up doing a lot better, you know? Uh, but, you know, it takes time to, to get to that level and you need to really be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being comfortable with being scary. And you only do that by being aware of the limits you set for yourself in your mind and how you can jump over those. Uh, by actually doing them consistently, just like taking a cold shower at the end of your, at the end of your hot shower, you know, just ten seconds. It's not going to kill you. You know that rationally, but you avoid it at all costs. Why? Because you think it's going to be hell, but it's really not. You know, and you won't die, and that's it. But you have to show yourself that you won't die, otherwise you're not going to go for it, right? Um, so it takes courage to start that single step. But after you start that single step, you. You keep going, you know, <laughs> and you keep going. And it's just about having a bit of courage. And you see that as well at a chemical level, right? And I, and I think courage is like something I would call activation energy in chemistry. Because whenever you have any interaction, every, any chemical reaction, sorry, there has to be a certain amount of energy available for the reaction to take place. You know, all reactions that we see uh, in real time, they'd be things that need energy close to what's in the surrounding environment, you know, which is room temperature, for example. But for example, for me to burn a cigarette, I need to put fire at the tip and then inhale. So that's that's a chemical reaction happening. That's a chemical reaction fueled by a fuel, which is fire for tobacco or whatever to burn. And it's burning because you're inhaling and inhaling gets oxygen in through that and oxygen is burning, is reacting with that and burning more so but the activation energy was you lighting the cigarette but before that you couldn't smoke and that's how it is with with life man <laughs> and with you before you have to do anything you sort of have to have a bit of energy that's activation energy which is courage to actually go ahead and do this but after you start doing it it's easy to keep going just like it's easy to continue smoking the the cigarette without having to light it again And just like you have your insecurities, everyone else has their insecurities too, you know, and they're not thinking about how they're not judging you because they're also busy judging themselves through your eyes, the same as you, creating that same model and trying to see how that person is seeing through it, right? And, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's taking so much energy away from you doing what it is that you you were doing to begin with. So instead of worrying about what you're doing and putting your energy there, your energy is going into thinking about how other people might be perceiving what it is that you're doing. And you're judging yourself through the, that lens, you know. And that, just, of course, is going to make whatever, whatever it is you're doing much worse because you're not putting that much energy into it. And they're going to 
see that, then, you know, and then they might judge you because you didn't do a good job, but they still probably won't because they're too insecure about their own shit and they're judging themselves. You know, everyone's worried about that at the same time, and we're all worried about it from each other, and we're all, you know, <laughs> no one gives a fuck. <laughs> no one gives a fuck at all, you know, it's just let people be themselves, let them make their mistakes, but at least give yourself the courtesy of putting 100% of your energy wherever it is you're putting it, you know, whatever it is you're doing, doing, do it right and put your energy there while you're doing what it is you're doing, be it you're playing a tournament in basketball or ping pong or you're playing an instrument in front of people for the first time, you know, alone, if you played that, that tune, you would have done a great job. But the fact that someone's sitting in the same room looking at you play, you just, um, see, that's the moment when you stop, stop putting that energy where it needs to be and you start putting it on the observer. You should never put it on the observer, man. Like, I, I don't care right now if I had 200,000 people look at me at the same time while I give a presentation. But there was a point where I would have shot myself if I presented in front of five people. But then I realized I took the power out of their hands and I put it in my hands and I know what's going to actually create a good presentation what's the best possible action I can take to get the best possible result and that does not involve the observer what it involves me just doing a good job with my presentation the observer will be happy then my energy is put on what I am doing right now not on how it's being perceived and because of that it's going to be perceived better and that's the entire dilemma, you know, and the paradox of all of this. We're so worried about how people are perceiving us, we actually do worse at what we're doing. And then we're, our attention isn't, or focus isn't at what we're doing or the task. Because you're nothing more than that, really. You're a body doing an, a task. You're doing this task right now, and that's all you are. <laughs> you're not anything else. Um, yeah, it's funny. We all have to t do tasks, and that's what we are when we're doing them. We're tasks, we're tools in this world, moving things around, playing an instrument, creating sound. We're, we're the task itself. <laughs> it's funny, really. But like, I'll get into this discussion properly with someone. I don't want to have it on my own. Um, yeah, and with that, like, it's just, you know, insecurity. We all have insecurities, we're all fucked in one way or another, and it's just about how we interact with that. Do we give it that much energy and let it control us, or do we just try our best, you know, and accept who we are, but see how we can be better and just move on? And then just be okay with making the mistakes that are necessary for you to be better, because you either sacrifice who you are for who you want to be, or you stay miserable, you know, and it's your choice. Do you want to be miserable? Do you want to maybe in the future be less miserable? You know, it's... That's still your choice, no matter what. Sometimes life presents you with choices like, like you, they're all horrible and you have to choose the least horrible one. And there's an abstraction to life to why this is. And we just have to accept it. It's random sometimes. And bad things do happen to good people for no reason. But if you, the best choice you can make is literally the worst choice, is the least worst choice out of the set of worst choices that you have, then... You know, go for it. It's not on you. You have to just make a decision and move on. But at least it'll be a less painful version of misery than the worst, worst possible outcome. Because that's the worst one. But, like, let's think of good outcomes, you know. 
I think like let's actually believe that the future can be better because otherwise what's the point you know because we believe it can be better because we believe it's actually possible then we're more likely to act in a way that makes it possible and try to just live our lives properly and in a way that propagates to everyone else because everyone's you know messed up in one way or another everyone's insecure about something but let's just let that go a bit because you know we're all insecure as shit so what's the point of all all of us being insecure let's just all be secure <laughs> you know let's just skip that entire process because just fuck it it's just such a waste of energy a completely waste of energy really you're putting energy into just how people are perceiving what it is you're doing it's not something that will get you anywhere uh, just do good do well of course worry about perception a bit you know having a you know present yourself well always because people tend to also assume a lot and that's that's that we know that and that's why like being judged really uh, affects us because we know that judgment is going to last for a damn long time because you know my roommate's parents came to this building to this apartment twice since she's here uh, she's been living here for three months they came here twice and every time they came the two times I decided to create to make me a shake for the day you know like mixed berries banana kiwis uh, a bit of milk maybe a bit of oats like a, a good healthy high density uh, <laughs> you know shake that I drink throughout the day and because they came twice and they saw me do it twice and I maybe did it four months in total this these entire th like four times this total these three months and that's like when the dad came and saw me he's like dude you do a lot of shakes no I don't you just happened to be here the times that I did <laughs> and because of that you assume I do all the time so it's it's just how it is, you know. We take a set of data that we have and we, we extrapolate a lot from it. And this is why a first impression really matters. For example, for me, I don't smoke, right? But once a month, once every two months, I like to smoke a rolled cigarette. Sometimes it happens every three months. Sometimes it happens once a month. But it's just nice. I, I, like, I like the act of smoking sometimes. But I realized that, you know, at some point... Uh, it was already like two months since I smoked and I felt like smoking rolled cigarette and there was this dude in a group and he was rolling and I asked him can I roll one with you and he rolled one for me and I smoked with everyone so they all assumed I am a smoker but then we hung out two three more times and when we hung out again they like they smoked and I didn't and they're like they were very confused you know they're like yeah but we thought you were a smoker and I remember this like I remember this very important lesson from one of my teachers. He came into class one day, first class we ever had with him, and like you can tell, like he's he's a different uh, breed of teacher, uh, the type that might actually teach you something about life. And he told us that we have homework for next week, that we have to memorize a certain passage. And it was a long passage, and we were students, and we were lazy, and we didn't want to do it. So I I came up to him a day before. A day or two before, um, what's it called? We had to recite this passage. And uh, I asked him, you know, can I recite it the week after that? And I thought, you know, he's a very, he seemed like a very nice dude and he's very cool and all that. And I thought he'd say yes, but he just said no and walked away. That's all he did. He said no and he walked away. And 
that made me respect him a lot, the fact that he told me no, because I'm sure of it. If he said yes then, then I would have asked him for more, and he would have had to say yes to that too, until he had to tell me no, you know? But, like, later on during school, that was the first time, like, but he taught me for five years. Later on, if I came to him and I asked him, yo, this, this, this happened to me, can I actually recite the passage later? He'd accept. He would accept. But because that was the first time, he made it clear that if you're going to ask me for something, it better have a good reason before you ask me, because I can say no. And I built that image of him or impression from then onwards that this guy can tell me no. And that changes the dynamic a lot because you can, you have to worry more about what you say around people like that. You, they will actually tell you when you do something wrong. And that's why I really love this uh, this interaction in specific with this teacher, like I learned a powerful lesson. Respect comes from from acting like that. And like really, if he was lenient with his students and he actually said yes to us, it was just me and my friend asking him. But still, uh, like he set the frame, he set the impression that I can say no. And it shows you your place a lot of the time. And that's why I really appreciated that. But. The, that's the point, you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the point was, but I hope you got it. Anyhow, I <laughs> I think that's too long, an hour and, and a half. Uh, and I'm going to do some major edits to this one, maybe remove 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like, I think an hour is good to get my message across. Sometimes I do drift off on very extreme tangents, and I it just doesn't make sense to have in the episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this trip I'm gonna do. I have to get ready. It's already like four p.m. Uh, I have to get ready, and I have to pack. Not much. I'm just gone for two weeks, and um, it's raining outside. The weather is pretty disgusting, so I have to go into that, you know, for an hour until I get to my friend's place. Uh, but it's gonna be fun. It's a nice uh, household they have. They're good people. I bought I bought his mom two gifts. I bought her like one gift, but two of it. Uh, <laughs> I got this. You know these, you know balls that you throw in the bathtub, and then they like fizzle a bit and create a lot of color, and like they look really cool in the end and smell really nice. Uh, I got her two of those. One called disco ball. And it's like this black ball, like but with different colors all over, and uh, it's it's really nice, you know. It's uh, it's a disco ball. And then the the other one I I got her was sex bomb, which is this this pink uh, like it looks like sex. Honestly, it's like this pink ball, but like in the middle you have a rose that comes out after you put it in the bathtub. So. So I thought to myself, you know, what can I get this woman uh, as a gift? And I thought, you know, a gift that will make her man happy is definitely a good gift. <laughs> so I went ahead and got those and let's see if they if they use them. Um, I thought that was funny. Like I was really struggling on what to what to get them for Christmas, you know. But I problem was is that I didn't pack it. I didn't pack it, so I don't know um, how to give them. 
Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. It's nice. It doesn't need to be packed. Even though the packaging is really important. How something is packaged is so important. Um, yeah. I'll end this one here, guys. Uh, have a good Christmas and... Uh, till the next one. Take care.